I remember I prayed and was like, God, you know what? My depth of relationship with you is fine. I don't want to have a deeper relationship. I want my son to be okay. Like, I don't want to trade that off. We want things to be righted and for things to be made new and made right again. And God is doing that. And one day he will do that. He will make all things new. Yes. But even now, even today, even in Down syndrome, even in the unnamed rare genetic (laughs) disorder, and even, even in autism, he is making all things new. Welcome to a Special Hope Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Brody, and today I'd like to welcome to the show my friend, Melanie Gomez. Married for 25 years, Melanie is the mom of two young men, one of whom was born with a rare genetic disorder. Their family resides in sunny South Florida, where she attempts to balance a full-time career in human resources, full-time caregiving, and full-time passion for ministry to other special needs parents. You can find her writing on the Special Needs Parenting blog at keyministry.org, and her website is redefinespecial.com. Today, we'll be discussing Melanie's devotional for moms of special kids, Bundle of Joy, and stay tuned at the end for some information about our upcoming conference this weekend. Melanie, welcome to A Special Hope. Thank you, Sarah. I'm so excited to be here and be with you on um, on this journey. This is exciting. Yes, it is exciting. I'm so glad to have you. So tell me about the title of your book, Bundle of Joy. Yes. I believe the full title is Bundle of Joy, a devotional to accompany your child's diagnosis. Right. That's the full title. So tell me more about your title. So the title is Bundle of Joy, um, but on the cover, there's um, joy and then that's crossed out and then fear and disappointment and sorrow and anxiety are all over there and all different spots, and then it comes back to joy. But the reason that is the title is because I found that in the beginning of having a diagnosis for my child, for my baby, my bundle of joy, um, there was a bundle of stuff there and emotions and experiences, but joy was really not one of them. It was hard to find. And so my devotional is about seeking that out and, and really there is a bundle of joy, but you kind of have to um, get to that place to find it. Right. Now tell me about your kids. I have two boys. Um, My oldest is 21. Uh, He'll be 22 this year. And he's um, a typical kid. Um, Not really, but that's how we would define him in the special (laughs) needs world, right? Um, Right. He just got engaged over (gasps) a New Year's on January 1st. So that's super exciting. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. That's definitely a new season in life. And then my second born, who's two years, nine months younger. So he's 18, turning 19 this year. His name is Nicholas. And Nicholas was born with a rare genetic disorder, which we got a diagnosis of when he was about six months old. Oh, wow. And what is the name of that rare genetic disorder? It actually is not named. So it's uh, the chromosome. The chromosome that's affected is 8P. There's a duplication and deletion. And so I'm actually part of a little Facebook group called 8P Disorders. It does not yet have a name. Um... So there is a study going on currently at Berkeley of this disorder because it's very rare. And I think part of the promise of the study is they're going to name it. So eventually I'll have a better answer than 
on all my forms and all my questionnaires having to write down <laughs> 8P duplication deletion. Right. Right. Can you write 8P plus minus? Can you? Right. <laughs> is there a shorthand for that? Um, so how does, how does the genetic disorder affect Nicholas? Um, it affects him generally with um, delays across the board. So speech delays, motor delays. Um, right now, obviously, as a, as a young man, um, has continued as a cognitive impairment. So he's um, very intellectually disabled, as well as still speech delays, um, motor delays. He, is, he can walk. Um, he can speak. Part of the Part of that diagnosis often is absent speech, but he does speak. He does walk. Um, so it's just kind of a broad uh, spectrum of dis- delays or missing skills. Wow. And how does that affect your family? Well, how does it affect our family now versus when it originally did is, is two very different answers. Mm. It affects our family now um, really just in that we have a very different lifestyle than all of our friends who have adult kids, right? Yeah. So, um, we still have, we have, we do have an adult young man who's about to get married and do all of those fun things. And then we also have um, a six foot tall, 130 pound guy at home who's probably around a cognitively a three or four year old. So it's very wow. different, but very fun. Three and four year olds are super fun, but when you're um, not the age of a three year old's parent, it turns right. into a different, a different thing. But it um, it has affected right. our family greatly, and it also, I would say, has affected our family very positively. Yeah. So tell me about why did you decide to write this book? Well, first of all, let me ask: How old is the book? When did you write this? The book was published two years ago, almost. Okay. Um, so I, I, I wrote it. Um, I started writing probably five or six years ago. Okay. I started writing it as a devotional. And I started writing because as I obviously 18 years ago was a very different time even than now. And when I received, we received the diagnosis and I was um, at the time a strong believer. And so I was looking for a Christian answer mm-hmm. to what was going on. Why is this happening? Right. Why, what, what did God let slip through the cracks um, <laughs> to cause the situation, right? Right. And so what I found was a lot of resources in the world. <clears throat> I found tons of secular resources that gave me science and data. And I found support groups where we could all go have a pity party together. Um, and as a believer, I just, that that I knew there was something else. There had to be something else that was going to line up with everything else the Bible told me about living a life of abundance and joy and peace. And I, I found those resources lacking. So I started, I felt led to just start writing my story and writing um, each time God showed me something new. And each time he revealed to me a different piece of what was really kind of behind the scenes. And so Obviously, fast forward now, there are many more resources out there, but I still felt very strongly called to write the story. And then um, I started writing this story on my blog, just kind of little piece at a time, and then was really encouraged by a number of different moms to um, put it together as a devotional, to put it together as a resource for newly diagnosed moms. So 
you just got a diagnosis, you just found out um, something was different about your baby, or moms who still hadn't found that place, that resource, that rock. So that's what I wrote it for. Um, and that's kind of where I feel uh, my call to ministry. Wow. And I think so many of these times, books like yours and blogs that have been written are written because they are the resource that we wish we had when we were looking for it. You know, I remember also looking for, you know, Christian resources on things and it's just severely lacking. Not as much now, but, uh, but even still now, we're still not you know, it's not like this market is saturated or anything. We're not, right. we're not remotely right. close to that yet. And so a lot of us are, are writing books and starting blogs and um, joining up with, with organizations like Key Ministry to be that resource to new parents, but also to be a resource to the parents who said, man, I wish there was, this was around 10 years ago. I really right. could have used it then, but I can still use it now. You know, right, and it's completely exactly. it's completely relatable and and applicable to the lives that that we're all living now, um, which is fantastic. And it takes I think it takes a lot of a lot of courage to write a book like this. Have you found that it's been difficult to be vulnerable, or is that does that come pretty easily to you? That does not come easily to me at all. And it was really really um, difficult to overcome that fear a fear of not only being honest about the different emotions I experienced. I mentioned um, at the beginning that the cover talks about fear, anxiety, sorrow, disappointment. I felt as though I had to be very guarded with those. And this is my special baby and I love him and life is perfect. Don't look at me. But actually putting in writing that that's not really what was going on behind the scenes. And those weren't really the emotions I always had. Having to put that out there in writing um, for everyone. And honestly, for my family to see, for my you know neighbors and friends to see, for my pastors to see, this is actually um, how I felt. And this is really what was going on. It was very difficult to admit and put it in writing, but I also felt like it was really important because I kept running across moms who still had that wall right. of Yep, we're fine. Everything's fine. Nope, nothing to look at here. We're normal. Right. And so not that feeling like you're normal is bad, but you could just usually tell that that was a facade and there was some deep hurt there. They just weren't even comfortable admitting. And so I felt like, okay, well, if I admit this and not only admit it, um, because there's, like I said, lots of lots of sympathy sites where you can go and say how awful your day is and your life is. And then somebody else will be like, Oh my gosh, me too. Right. But not only admit what you're struggling with, but find a mom who says, this is what I struggled with. And here's how God healed it. Here's the victory over that. Here's the other side of that mountain. And it's amazing. That's what I wanted to be able to share. So while I share at the beginning of the devotion, I do share some of my story Really, the other, um, the 14 days of devotionals are hitting fear, hitting anxiety, hitting sorrow, but hitting them with some truth and some really strong, here's what you do to overcome that. Here's what God has provided already for you to overcome that. Grab hold of this, pull out, and let's 
let's get some other mamas out on the way. Right. And so many of us, you know, we've all experienced these emotions, but we're all too scared to say it because we're terrible, yes. terrible parents if we say this thing out loud. Yeah. And yes. I remember when Sam was 18 months old and he still wasn't speaking and he was screaming all the time and banging his head against the wall. And the pediatrician said, you know, we're not seeing the speech that we need to be seeing. So we're going to send him for a hearing and a speech evaluation. And they were side by side. Um, they're in the same building. And so we went to it and we went to the first into the first room and it was the hearing evaluation. So we're sitting in this dark room and I'm sure you've probably been there yourself yep. sitting in the dark room. <laughs> I had to sit him on my lap and just, you know, hold him. And they said, okay, so you're going to see, um, you're going to hear a sound from a part of the room. And if he responds by turning his head, then something will light up and like a little toy starts to move or jingle or something, you know, it's kind of like a reward for, for looking. And mm -hmm. so, and they were different pitch noises, different kinds of sounds. And I don't remember how long it took. It felt like it took forever. And <laughs> while we're in there and while the test is going and the lights are going off and the sounds are going off, I was just praying, God, please let my child be deaf. Wow. Please let him, wow. yes. please let this be the problem. Because right. That's, that I can handle. Because, I'll figure that one out. Exactly. Right. Because in my mind... I can learn sign language. There are hearing aids. Mm -hmm. There are ways to fix it. But if mm -hmm. that's not, if it's not a physical issue, then I have no idea what to do with that. And I don't know mm -hmm. what to do with this child. I don't know what to do with myself. I have no idea. I, I can't do this if it's not something that I can understand. And deafness, I can right. understand. Being hard of hearing mm -hmm. or a hearing disability of some kind, that I could understand. That I could wrap my brain around, but not if it was something else. And the hearing evaluation was over and, and they had to you know put their stuff together and they would send it to me. I said, I need to know something. And they said, he did great. Mm. You know, he's, and I said, no, no, no. But there were a couple of times when you know, he didn't turn his head or he didn't respond. And they said, well, we, you know, basically we know what we're doing and we saw everything that we needed to see and we don't have any, you know, there, he's not, he's not hard of hearing. He doesn't have any kind of hearing disability. His hearing is perfectly fine. And I remember we hadn't done any other evaluation. That was the first thing we had done. And I was so crushed already because I wow. thought that means that it's something else. Right. And I don't know what that something else is. And I am so scared. I am so, right. so scared. And I share that story not because being deaf is great. <laughs> it, it has, I'm, I, I, you know, every every kind of impairment has difficulty that, that comes with it. But because I know there are parents out there who are sitting in rooms in hearing evaluations with their children on their lap going, please let him be deaf. Yeah. Please let yeah. this be the problem because I don't know how else to handle it if it's not. Right. And I share right. that story because you're not alone if that's what you're going through. And we need to tell our stories. We need to tell our stories. Our stories have power behind them. They can, they can help encourage other people. And so I'm so thankful that you've chosen to write your story and, and in writing it to, to give truth because we need people to speak truth into our lives when we are hurting. 
And when we don't know where to turn and we don't know how to handle this and we don't know, you know, we, we don't know the future, we'd have no idea what's coming at us. Our expectations have been turned on its head and people are telling us it's for our good and we're just trying not to throat punch them. Right. <laughs> you know. Yes. I remember my um when we when I first went to my pastors, I literally went from the geneticist office where we received the piece of paper and the diagnosis. I went straight to my church to meet with my pastors and my pastor's wife was there and met with me. And I remember that very day that I got the diagnosis, her saying something that I don't know that she was aware of the depth of what she was saying or the the challenge of what she was saying. But I remember saying, you're going to look back on this and be so thankful. This is just going to build your faith and build your relationship with God. And this is so great. And I walked away from that meeting so angry. I was just dead set against anything so silly. I remember I prayed and was like, God, you know what? My depth of relationship with you is fine. I don't want to have a deeper relationship. I want my son to be okay. Like, I don't want to trade that off. I don't want to trade off one for the other. And so, and God bless her. She, I mean, she was speaking to me out of her experience of what she had been through, what challenges she had been in her life. And, and I can look back today and say, she's right. Um, it absolutely has, has completely rocked my world in all the best ways. And, in, and particularly in my relationship with God. But I think that the in-between is what moms need to see. You sharing your story about sitting in that room and saying, please let him be deaf because I don't know what else to do. Sharing that, but being able to share it from a place of overcoming and victory. So not just sharing it and going, this is awful and this is how I feel and this is, but just being able to say truthfully, it wasn't easy and it wasn't pretty and I didn't look good and I didn't look like a great mom and I'm still struggling with that. But there is joy. There is something else that comes after. There is the ability to not just survive and hang on for dear life, but there is so much more. And so being able for, I think you're right, for a mom who's in that place or a parent who's in that place to know I'm not on your podcast and speaking about how great it is to be a special needs mom because I've always done it super great. And I've always been happy about it. And I've always thought it was the most wonderful thing ever. That's not <laughs> helpful. And that's not true. And that's right. not true. So, yes, being honest on the in-between time and then saying, but still, God's grace was sufficient. And still, he still loved me and chose to deliver me even when I absolutely did it all wrong and had the wrong thoughts and feelings and emotions and plans. And we're still in that. That's the thing. I have an 18-year-old, but I'm not, um, I'm not out of new challenges. We're not out of new crises where I have to go back and press in and rely on him again to deliver me. And so I almost feel like that's a, if this sounds weird, almost an advantage of being in this position, being, mm -hmm. a, being a parent who constantly has to be on their knees. You don't get to a place where you go, okay, well, I can coast for a few minutes. I'm constantly pressing into him. I'm constantly relying on God as my source. And so that's almost an advantage in that it keeps me in that place. It keeps me fresh. It keeps me tied to him, tethered to him, uh, which is a perfect place to be. And what would you say to the mom who's like, okay, that all sounds really, really great, but 
oh, I am just so hurting. And this is just, this is hard. This is just so hard. It's harder than I thought it was going to be. I'm not there yet. I'm still not really wanting to trade off the whole better relationship with God thing. You know, I'm still, I'm still in a place and it's been years, you know, to the mom or to the dad or to the sibling who is just, you know, oh, we are still in this. It's 10 years later and we're still at the IEP table. You know, yeah. it's, yeah. we're still, we're still there. And what encouragement can you give to parents? How can they, how can they find this joy other than reading your book, of course, but, <laughs> because that's a, that's an excellent place to start. But how would you, how, how did you get to where you are? Because in your right. voice now, I, and I know that you have hard days and, and, and things, but talking to you now, I just, I hear the joy in your voice. I yeah. hear it. And, you know, I've met you in person and I've seen it on your face and it's contagious and it's wonderful and it's beautiful, but it doesn't come without the moments of angst and, and tears behind closed doors. So how do we move from a place of pain and grief to one of pain and grief, but there's still joy in the midst of that. Right, right. What I would say is, first, I would just acknowledge that that's fine. It's okay that you're in a place right now um, where you're not even ready to move on to the next level. Um, it took me years even to allow God to start working. But what I would challenge you with, and what is definitely in, my book is a 14-day devotional on changing your perspective and letting God change your perspective on all the different aspects of it. So what my strong recommendation, um, the one thing I would say to you is simply at least give God permission to change your perspective. That's the one prayer that I believe sparked and changed it all for me. I had, um, I had been speaking with a pastor who happened to tell me, Nicholas was maybe two or three at the time, about his friends who had an adult daughter with Down syndrome and how he had had dinner with them the other night. And they said to him, you know what, Steve, if we could go back and change anything, we wouldn't. And I remember thinking that those were the meanest parents. How dare you say you wouldn't change that? How dare you say, no, I'd rather have my daughter struggle. At the time, Nicholas was still at the place in physical therapy or occupational therapy, I don't remember, or both, where, you're, where he couldn't turn over from his belly to his back or his back to his belly. And I remember sitting in physical therapy rooms with a therapist, and I would be crying because he was panting so hard and working so hard and trying, 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 and just could not turn over. And so I thought, who on earth would say, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Let me let my child have this struggle. I'll keep it this way. And I thought, and so here's what happened, though, as I drove home, God stirred so much it, within that anger, right? It was just such an anger, but he stirred in my heart so much that I felt led to pray, God, if you ever want me to think that, if you ever want me to be able to say that, you have got a lot of work to do. And I will, <laughs> and I will give you permission right now, do that work. I can't do it. I, I don't believe there's ever a way that I'll say that. But if that's what your will is, if that's what your plan is, I give you permission to work. So my recommendation is a one sentence prayer of God. I give you control. I don't see it. 
I don't think that's possible. I don't think I can ever enjoy this situation. I don't think I'll ever be happy with where this is. I don't think I'll ever get over my anger at you for doing this. But I give you permission to change my heart if that's your will for me. And I believe that saying that prayer and saying, okay, God, you've got a, I, and I said in my prayer, you've got a lot of work to do. You have got a lot of work to do, God. And I believe that just giving him that permission because we know that God does not force us to change our heart. He does not force us to go where we don't want to go. But I do believe that if we give him permission to take us there, he will lovingly, gladly begin to take us there. So that's what I would say um, was my start. I believe that's how I began to change my perspective on so many different things and really seek him instead of seeking answers. Start looking at him more than I looked at my son's deficits. And so that's where it all began for me, I think was that prayer. So that's my, that's my recommendation is just be really honest with him in your prayer time. Tell God exactly the deepest, darkest, worst thing that you believe and then say, but if that's not your will for me to stay in that place, God, I give you permission to pull me out. Right. Just telling him, move me out of this. Yes. You know, move, move my heart and move my affections out of this. And one thing that I think we have to do first before we can even come to that point is to acknowledge that there is another perspective, mm-hmm. that, right. that there is another way to live. Right. There is another way to experience your child. Right. And, and it, it does make us angry to hear, oh, I would never... Or it can anyway. It can make us angry to hear other people say, I would never change my child. Mm-hmm. But clearly they're they're in a different place. And and we may not all come to that same conclusion. You know, we may right. still because we want we want the world to be right. We want the we want things to be righted and yes. for things to be made new mm-hmm. and made right again. And God is doing that. And one day he will do that. He will make all things new. Yes. But even now, even today, even in Down syndrome, even in the unnamed rare genetic <laughs> disorder, and even even in autism, he is making all things new. And to ask, you know, God, give us your eyes to see our child differently yeah. than, than we see him or her through the pain of our experience with special needs right. and with disability. Absolutely. Give us your eyes to see them differently and to love them differently and to love them with your love because my love is flawed. My love is still very selfish. My love still demands respect to authority and right. my love still, you know, because, well, this is the world we live in and you've got to learn how to how to live in this world. And that means that you're going to have to learn respect and you're capable of, of doing this, but it's a, it's a hard road in any case to, to change the way that, that I see my child to change the way that I love him and, and how I encourage other people in that. And so how is this topic, uh, the bundle of joy, how has this affected you and the others that you share it with? Give us some stories of, of how, um, how, how this has impacted your life and the lives of others. So I think the most interesting and amazing part of this journey and of sharing the story and of sharing my shift in perspective and how God has really changed, like I said, what I look at and how I look at it. And, and 
that has, first of all, you know, overflowed in my life for to not only specifically be um, for my special needs child and his diagnosis and where that all fits into God's plan um, for our lives, but also every other aspect of my life, my marriage, my husband, uh, my typical son, um, being able to say, okay, God, I'm not going to, I'm now that you've shown me how to take off my filter and how I perceive what's going on with my son, that has also affected how I relate to so many different areas in my family and my life. But also that message, my very specific testimony, which I at first thought, well, it's so specific. It only applies really to me and to moms who've had this particular genetic disorder diagnosis. What I found is that it applies to everyone. It applies so much to everyone. I remember a bathroom meetup in in between church services with a dear friend who was going through a situation with her daughter who had just um, moved away to college, um, made some really, really disastrous choices for her life. And I remember my friend saying to me through tears when I just asked how her daughter was doing, she was like, you know what, Melanie, the thing is that no one can understand where I'm at. Nobody else has the same situation. And I looked back at her and I said, you know what, Rosemary, that makes us exactly the same because I'm in a situation that nobody else can understand. Nobody's ever experienced before. No one's ever encountered. And so at that moment, she and I realized, wait a second, we're actually in the same place. It looks very different. Mine's a young baby with a diagnosis. Hers is a a young adult daughter who's having different life choices, but we're actually in the same place. God is taking us through the same place. So then as I started to realize that, I've had college students who've written me a little email about reading through my devotional and it helped them tremendously and changed their perspective on so many things. I had a, a woman who had been diagnosed with cancer who wrote me a little note and said, your, your devotional on changing perspective has really shifted the way I'm um, responding to having a diagnosis of cancer. Wow. And I thought, isn't that amazing how God can take something that's very specific and personal to us, but if we're sharing it like, he's, like he directs us to, it can affect different people in different ways. Uh, however he needs to use it. You know, the Bible says that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And so I feel like just um, having this experience and sharing it with anyone who is in a place where they are looking for joy and they can't find it, that testimony will speak to anyone who, who is in that same situation. And I would, you know, I would encourage even other moms who are going through the journey to continue to share um, with other moms, especially moms who aren't believers, especially parents who are struggling with faith or struggling with with um, what's going on. It's absolutely a testimony that can affect lots of different people in different walks of life. Yeah. We are all experiencing the fall of man in different ways. Right. We're all experiencing hardship and consequences of sin and just you know, horrible things, sad things, tragic things, but also joyful things. And when we share our stories with others, I think that that, that kind of, you know, it, it gives us, it gives us hope is what it, 
it, it really comes down to is sharing our stories with others is what gives each other hope. And we need hope in this world. We need hope. And we need hope that even if I'm in the hard right now and I'm stuck in pain and I'm stuck in therapy sessions and I'm up to my eyeballs and scheduling and I don't see, I don't see any light in the tunnel. There's zero light. There's not even a glimmer. There's not a spark. There's nothing to have the hope that, that it's coming, you know, and that where we are now, we're not going to be here forever. Even if our children never move beyond their current cognitive level, we're still not going to be here in this very place forever. Right. And our perspective can change and our circumstances can change and our hearts can change. And God is the one who changes hearts. And he is the one who changes our perspective. He is the one who gives us eyes to see our children the way he sees them. And that is just so beautiful. And we need that hope. We need joy for the moment, you know, and so to share that with others is so important. And thank you for sharing your story and for being vulnerable enough and and willing to to share. And that's an encouragement to any parent out there who is struggling, that your story matters yes. to other people. And your story may not, it may not look like other people that you know, but it, it looks like a lot of people's stories. Right. And we need to know that we're not alone. So share your story. Talk to other people about it. Start start writing a book. Start a blog. Yeah. Start a podcast. <laughs> I'm doing it. Why not you? You know, we need to be sharing our stories with each other and sharing the hope that we have. And especially as believers, we are the light of the world. Yes. And so we're trying to shine a light into the darkness of other people. And sometimes those other people are other believers who are just in darkness right. because it's the darkness of depression and anxiety and frustration and anger and hurt. And there's a lot of that. There's a lot of that. We're trying very hard to make it look like there's not, but, mm-hmm. but the reality is it really does exist. And so we're trying to shine a light into that. And so we need to be sharing our hope and share the joy that we have. And we can have joy. We can cross out fear and we can cross out sorrow and we can cross out anxiety. And those things might come back and they'll circle back around because the enemy knows how to take us down. But we can we can overcome and we can have joy while we're doing it. And we can have hope that God is making all things new. He is making all things new even now. Yes. And that is something that we need to hold on to. Speaking of hope, what special hope would you have to share with our listeners? I would share the special hope that there is joy in a diagnosis. There is joy in surrendering our perspective to God's. And there is joy in the place that you're at right now. What I found is that it's not simply a thing where you just eventually learn to bear and tolerate where you're at. It's a new place and it's joy. Thank you so much. We need we need more of that. <laughs> so, Melanie, thank you so much for being on the show and for sharing your heart with us. You and I met at Inclusion Fusion Live last yes. April. 
And wasn't that a fantastic conference? That was unbelievable. That was so great to meet so many people who are like-minded about um, disability, special needs, and the church and ministry to those families. It was so refreshing, actually. It was. It was so wonderful. And you just kind of like, you've never met these people in your life, but then we met each other and it was like, we all felt home. Yes, you know, absolutely. And it was just fantastic. So I'm really looking forward to going back again this coming April and you will be there again too. Yes. I'm so excited. Yes, absolutely. And what workshop are you presenting? I'm going to present a workshop on parenting siblings of special needs kids and it's called life uh, life's not fair and then I'm also going to do a quick take which I'm really excited about um, about the transition to adulthood so that's just a really quick few minutes um, that I'll be doing to the whole group so my parenting um, workshop will really be aimed specifically at parents That'll be a great workshop too. And we need we need more information. We need help with the siblings of our special needs kids too. They need they need attention and they need understanding and compassion. And we have to teach those same things to them too. So. Yeah. And I found I got a lot of misinformation early in um, oh. how to deal with my with my typical son. And so that's kind of where this body of experience came out of was sort of figuring all of that out and really praying about it and and um, understanding what was right and what was not truth um, in my situation. So, Wow. Well, I look forward to hearing that. Yeah. That's fantastic. Also, if you're in the Cleveland area or want to take a road trip this weekend, Melanie and I will be at Key Ministries Inclusion Fusion Live Conference this weekend, April 5th and 6th, at Bay Presbyterian Church in Bay Village, Ohio. Janet Parshall is one of our keynote speakers, and we have two days' worth of worship, breakout sessions, and vendors, with many other speakers from Key Ministry and beyond, and more than 250 attendees from all over the country who are going to be in attendance. If you're a parent of a child with a disability, a church ministry leader, or a community disability leader, we welcome you to join us. You can register online at keyministry.org slash IFL 2019. That's keyministry.org slash IFL 2019. A Special Hope podcast is also going to be on site for some off-the-cuff interviews, and I look forward to sharing those with you over the next few months. I'm your host, Sarah Brody, and this is A Special Hope. You can find show notes for today's episode with Melanie Gomez on the website at hopeinautism.com slash a special hope podcast. On social media, look for a special hope podcast on Facebook and Instagram, and you can follow at a special hope pod on Twitter. I'd love to connect with you on social media and hear your comments. You can also email me anytime at a special hope podcast at hopeinautism.com. And lastly, if you're enjoying listening to A Special Hope, I would so greatly appreciate it if you would rate and review the podcast in your podcast app. It goes a long way to helping others find hope and encouragement. Until next time, have a great week.